Welcome to the AK Strength Pod, Episode 3. My next guest is a 2019 national champion in the under 82 kilo division. 2020 Arnold Strongman under 82 kilo second place and has recently just became the world's strongest woman in the under 73 kilo division. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Murray. Morning. Morning. You're in Seattle, yeah? Yeah. Ish? Yeah. You're like an hour behind you, right? Or ahead of you. Yeah, hour ahead. Yep. Yeah. Well, good morning. Morning. Congratulations on the win. Thank you. Yeah. How was it uh, over there? Oh, it was great. That was my first time being at that show. So oh, okay. It was, it was really cool. Cool experience. Uh, really well run. Got to see all my strong friends. So yeah. it's a good week. You were, you were in second going into the last day? You tied for, or, um, going into the last day, tied for first. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think we both had 34, tied with 34 points, I think. Okay. Um, how did you get started in, in strength sports? Like what, what led you to saying, hey, I'm going to go and do, you know, strongman stuff? Oh, a long time ago. So I didn't grow up an athlete at all. Um, I started lifting like my second year of college. I ended up uh, dropping out and coming home. Uh, actually, it kind of snowballed from martial arts. So I started uh, martial arts is actually part of an eating disorder recovery program that I was in. And then once I kind of left that and came back home, I continued martial arts because it was really fun and I was good at it. Um, and then that kind of spiraled from there where I started doing CrossFit to get stronger for martial arts. Um, and then I, I didn't really love CrossFit, but I loved deadlifting. So that kind of like snowballed into powerlifting. I met some guys at the gym that were like, Hey, have you ever tried powerlifting? You should come train with us sometime. And I just said, okay. So I started training with a group of powerlifters at my gym and I, I loved that. So I did that for like three years. Um, and then I went back to school for exercise science where I went to school with Zach McCarley. Um, I, he's an old school strongman. He's probably one of the best middleweight strongmen. Um, he just doesn't really do a whole lot anymore, but at the time him and Pat Castelli had been invited to compete overseas. So they put on a fundraiser contest and I just did it to support them because they were my friends. And I was like, oh shit, like this is way more fun <laughs> than powerlifting. <laughs> um, and then I just never looked back. Uh, I did my next show I think a few months later and that was about six years ago. You left college for, because of an eating disorder, you were in karate for an eating disorder. I mean, how much does it? Is it different now from, I mean, competing and you're always eating? Oh, obviously a huge difference. Um, that's like, for me, lifting became like the thing that was just more important. So I had a, a different positive focus. I mean, obviously now to, to do this sport, we, got, we obviously eat a ton to fuel our performance because it's a lot of work. So it's just had to, that, that reframing has happened over the course of uh, nine years now. And, you know, I, I grew up with a couple sisters and they, you know, in high school, they had eating disorders to where they would actually have competitions on who can go the longest without eating. Um, and it, yeah, it kind of was almost the aspect of the, you know, what you see in magazines, uh, what the typical female body should be. Is that kind of like what the same stuff you were going through or, or something different? I think probably. I remember in high school, I used to actually like lifting weights with my dad, 
but I didn't do it a whole lot um, just because like, I don't know, a high school girl wanted to be skinny. So I, I remember I used to go to the gym and get on the, on the elliptical for like an hour or two after school most days because that's what I thought I was supposed to do to be in shape. Um, which I mean, in hindsight is, is silly, but that's just what I think a lot of girls are led to believe when they're young. And then I guess when you decided to get into this, was there like that typical aspect of, oh, you're going to lift weights, you're going to look like a guy, you know, you're going to get the guy bod? Well, I didn't get that a whole lot at first, actually. And that's part of what, what I initially liked about the, the powerlifting community is that everyone was just so positive and encouraging about those goals that I just, I didn't really surround myself with anyone else that everyone in my world at that point was, you know, from that powerlifting community. And so everyone was incredibly positive. You know, I haven't actually started getting a whole lot of the, uh, the, you look like a man type comments until the past couple of years. But at at this point, I think it would have bothered me, you know, seven years ago, but it Mm -hmm. doesn't bother me anymore. I think it's ridiculous when people say to women that they're going to look like men if they lift or, or whatnot, I think it's probably one of the most dumbest things yeah. I've ever heard Actually, in my life. It's, I surprisingly get that a lot more from my clients than, than people like directed like about me. But I have a lot of female clients that come to me saying that like, oh, I want to get stronger, but I'm really scared. I mean, basically they, in an indirect way, say mm-hmm. I'm scared of looking like you, which right. like, but they're not like, I, like they won't directly say that to me, but I know that that's what they're getting at. And I yeah. kind of like you really don't realize how much work goes into this like unless you make this a part-time job it's not just going to happen because you looked at a dumbbell but i think there's there's still a you know a misconception around that which is which is wild to me that it's still a thing that that people are concerned with yeah it's absolutely crazy um so do you do like programming and nutrition or one or the other yeah so i'm not a nutritionist i'll give like some general macro advice to people but I'm a strength coach primarily. So I do like remote coaching and programming. And then right now I'm doing a lot of house calls. So like around the Seattle area, I go train people out of their houses, um, which kind of started as a product of COVID and gyms shutting down. And then Mm -hmm. people ended up really liking it. So I've I've just kind of rolled with it. Okay. Uh, You're training at Dungeon Fitness, right? Yes. So Dungeon Strength. Dungeon Fitness is over in Bremerton and then Dungeon Strength is in Federal Way. Which one is Saul at? Dungeon Fitness or Dungeon... Dungeon Strength. Sorry. Dungeon Strength RX is in Federal Way. That's where Saul is. Okay. Yeah, I, I competed with him once um, down in the States. He was, he oh, was yeah. a cool guy. And yeah, what contest? Was, it was the, the Oregon Feats of Strength. Um, I think it was oh, 2019. I was there. Were you there? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's crazy. I oh. Yeah, yeah, I got was... years just to watch. I had a bunch of clients competing in it this last one, but I've just gone to watch the last couple of years. Yeah, that was my uh my first time getting out of state and competing and oh, fun. Uh, it was good. It was great. Um I think it's probably about as close to like a national event without the national feel of it. Yeah, because it's huge. They usually have over a hundred people and it's it's a pretty well run uh, well run show usually. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I because I was posting videos and stuff and then Saul reached out. Um, and was giving me advice on like how to do certain things. And yeah, I, I mean, he's a great guy. Yeah. Yep. Still awesome work with guy. him Still yeah. down there. Yeah. Him and Ryan Terry own the place. So yeah, I was down there in Seattle in September 
and I was actually supposed to make my way down there and uh, train for a day, but it just didn't happen. We were only down there for, I think, a weekend, me oh, and my wife. We, and we were down there for a con. I got our concert tickets for uh, Christmas right before the whole COVID thing. Cool. Um, so, I mean, it got pushed off for a year and a half, so it finally yeah. made it. But we were only down there for a weekend and just didn't have time to go down there. Yeah. Um, what do you think is like enough competitions for an individual and, uh, what's not enough competitions? Like where's that happy, happy medium, like for someone like yourself, uh, like myself, like, well, so like that largely depends on what your goals are. I think, cause I have a lot of clients that, you know, they just do this for fun and they do contests because they like the environment and it makes them, you know, feel like a badass and, you know, they'll do a contest every couple of months. Um, is it, is it easy to be highly competitive that way? I personally don't really think so. Um, I prefer to pick one or two shows a year that I really focus on and put all of my energy into. Um, that helps me, I mean, A, really put all my focus into that one show, which I think helps me be better at it, but then B, just keeps my body a little bit happier. I think, um, constant competing especially if you're a weight class athlete and need to cut weight doing that a bunch of times a year it's really taxing mentally and physically um but if you're just doing this kind of casually because it's fun i think you can get away with doing contests a lot more often so it depends do you pick the you know two competitions a year does that play into factor of you know injuries like cutting down on injuries and just kind yeah. of protecting your body yeah for sure like, like at this point, I'm trying to plan my contests for next year. Like I'm, I'm coming off of worlds with a couple injuries that I have to deal with. Um, and if I had a show coming up really fast, then I wouldn't really be able to take the off season to do that. Um, you know, injuries are kind of unfortunately part of the sport, I think, when you get to a high level. And I think, I mean, ignoring them is the worst thing you can do and competing too often kind of forces you to ignore them. So. Yeah. Uh, I actually, uh, I just, got a partial tear in my biceps tendon this no, summer uh i was doing log um so i was i was doing log and i just something happened wrong when i went to go press it and i actually ended up getting a partial tear in my biceps tendon i tore my labrum and i got a partial tear in my rotator cuff Ooh, got a little trifecta there i know and for some reason or another but now i actually feel like a legit strong man because i have that bicep injury <laughs> no, we've had so many bicep injuries at dungeon we have a like the deadlift strap yeah you know, on your shoulders but that's been passed down through like seven people i think at this point we make jokes about it uh being handed down around the gym i feel how have you ever used that i have not um i've, I've pulled like a couple like like 135 just reps yeah. to see what it feels like but i've never like trained with it oh i just feels like it just compresses like your neck like the back of your neck like just pulls on it it doesn't sound comfortable no from the guys that have had to use it it's doesn't seem like a fun thing but i guess better than nothing (laughs) yeah uh what would you say is your best event oh typically i don't know that's hard i think yoke is my favorite event um i you know, from a competition standpoint, I always do well in the event. Um, I think things usually tend to go sideways in contests sometimes, but yoga I'd say is my favorite event and my best gym event. Uh, the, the ones that historically go the best for me in contests are medleys. Um, 
people like to make fun of me for not moving fast, but I actually move pretty damn fast and I usually do pretty well at at least. So, uh, I guess speaking of yoke, how different is it from a car yoke from just your typical standard yoke? Yeah, so I personally thought that initially it didn't feel that much different. Like right off, right off the line, and when you started, it didn't feel that much different. Um, the difference that I noticed was that the car yoke was harder to correct if it started to shift on you. So like usually a yoke at some point, a lot of times it'll start to get a little bit wobbly or like something happens that you have to recover from. And the car yoke was harder to recover once it started to shift, um, is what I noticed. It would happen to me a little bit at the end of the run. So pretty much once it starts shifting, you just go with it. Yeah, because like 10 feet from the end, I remember like my knee buckled and it like shifted a little bit. And like normally with a regular yoke, I, I feel like I'd be able to like correct it and straighten it back out. But once that car turned a little bit, it just like kept going that direction. You saw it with, there was one girl that ended up like completely sideways by the end. I don't know if you watched like the whole contest, but there's, I think one of the lightweight girls, it started turning and it like kept turning and she like parallel parked it over the line. It was wild to watch. <laughs> so I guess the opposite question, what's your... What's the one event that you despise or you don't look forward to or you just perform poorly at? Anything grip. Yeah. I have, I have alarmingly tiny hands for my frame. So as much as I work on grip, it's always something I, I struggle with. It's gotten better over the years, but it's still, it's, it's the one thing that really bites me in the ass sometimes. <laughs> um, and I guess OSG. I mean, how many competitions are there for... Uh, you know, women out on the circuit. I mean, you, you hear a lot about the guys like Clash of the Coast. Um, I think I saw that they were going to do a women's division yep, for that. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, I mean, how many competitions are actually are there for the women to compete in? From like a pro level? Because like amateur shows, there's all the same amateur shows. As yeah, I, I would say like on that pro level. Yeah, so we've got um, OSG Worlds. Um, for the, the pro specific shows, we have like America's Strongest Woman is a pro show. Um, I think they're actually turning that into a pro-am, but that's something that us pros can do. Um, strongest Woman in the World, um, Clash. Uh, I mean, last year it was just the men doing Clash. This year, I got invited to the 82 Kilo Clash uh, the same weekend as the 105 Guys Clash. And then it, it looks like they're actually um, starting up a bunch of other weight classes uh, throughout the year for that, which is really cool. So that's another opportunity for us. So, But no, we don't have the same uh, volume of show options which is too bad so i, I guess that's why you kind of limit just the the few competitions a year just because there's not really much or i mean for for, for me uh, even if there were 20 shows to choose from i'd probably only pick one or two okay stuff, but... do you still compete in the amateur level like just to kind of stay in shape or no like especially like on a local level like i would feel really bad doing that um i did do nationals last year as a heavyweight because i was trying to get my heavyweight pro card so that was an amateur show um i just bumped up a weight class for mm -hmm. it because i wanted the the double pro card um i tore my cap on the first event so that did not go to plan but that was the intention <laughs> i guess one of the the biggest questions is the war paint yes that you have <laughs> uh what can you say about the war paint so that was a new thing, this contest, um, kind of a combo. I mean, on one hand, it was just, uh, I kind of got into doing makeup as a quarantine hobby. And so it's, it's a thing that's relaxing for me. So starting the way that day is uh, a calming, like a way to calm the nerves. Mm -hmm. um, bigger reason though, is that uh, I get horrible performance anxiety. 
Um, and like my my normal self in real life, I think is kind of uh, very introverted and kind of awkward and, and gets nervous. And so always at contests, I've acted very different. I think that anyone who like knows me in real life and has seen me in contests would say that I'm very much not the same person, that I, I've, I'm just, I don't want to say like cold, but I'm just like very laser focused on what I'm doing. And I'm not really there to like hang out until afterwards. Um, so the, the war paint at this one is actually my coach's idea of like a way to take that one step further and really creating a new person that, you know, the makeup goes on and it's like, all right, Aaron's not here anymore. Like we're here to do a job. Mm -hmm. Me, that's just, it's about becoming someone who is more equipped to do the job at hand than my normal self. How do you mentally deal with that, with the anxiety? Is it just anxiety of com the competition or is it just the anxiety of performance? It's the competition and especially like, you know, as I get higher up in the sport and I have higher expectations on myself, it's just the, the stress to perform. And I always get, or I have a tendency to want to get wrapped up in what everyone else is doing. So I kind of have to like, force myself to like go in the back and sit down and not watch. Um, it always happens primarily with the first event, which is always overhead, which is why I always underperform on overhead in contests because I get nervous and my legs get shaky and then I can't press anything. Um, so I think it worked because I mean, this was my best log performance at a contest. It was still underperforming based on what I'd done in the gym, mm -hmm. but it was a huge improvement from previous years where like I, I always am so shaky on that first event just because I'm nervous and I didn't have that quite as bad at this time so like me I, I kind of get like the the shakes before the first event I always kind of like talk in my head and mm -hmm. my you know all my friends everyone at work calls me PD my last name's Peterson so I'll always be like all right PD it's time to do like the damn thing like you know what I, so do you kind of like talk in your head to kind of start to get the shakes out or or what not really so much i listen to classical music so, oh. so usually, um i mean it's like cool classical music it's like stuff that gets me hyped but not mm -hmm. like overly excited um so a lot of times before events you'll see me like in the back just kind of pacing back and forth for me it just kind of helps get the nervous energy out and i'll, I'll be listening to classical music so just a way of calming myself down and then the 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 face the war paint actually I think made a huge difference like every time I I saw my reflection in like my phone or a mirror or something I was like oh yeah fuck yeah like we're here to like do some shit like that's it, a badass it, chick like, like who the fuck is that she looks like a winner <laughs> yeah that's great um what does the the classical music do for it just calms the nerves or it's like twofold. It, cal it calms my nerves. Like I don't like having things with lyrics because mm -hmm. then I'll like want to sing along and I get a little bit too like hyped up. Like I really try to stay calm, um, but it's a calm in a way that like feels empowering. Uh, I was a musician all growing up. Um, so that sort of like grand symphonic music mm -hmm. is what gets me excited more than like, I know people listen to all different types of music before competing, but like that's the shit that like makes me feel larger than life um so it's a way of i don't know if calm is necessarily the right word but it's like a like a like contained aggression is it like the beethoven 
stuff like that or uh, more like the big symphonic music so like uh requiem for a dream is my go-to pre-contest song um but yeah symphonic stuff like that will rock on and off is my other probably my number one go-to so do you kind of listen to that throughout like through osg you know you have those long wait times between yeah. your next event is that kind of what you're doing in between yeah the entire competition just kind of listen to it staying relaxed or yeah i try to as much as possible like when we have big gaps in between events i kind of try to like take myself out of the contest environment just because that is so emotionally taxing so i was like go in the back and lay down and you know eat some snacks and i try to like remove myself from that that contest feel um and then when it's time to kind of start breaking back up uh, i'll listen to like slower classical music like mm -hmm. just piano stuff that's a little bit chiller and then like right before an event when it's time to like get a little bit more energized I'll, I'll ramp it up to something a little more dramatic yeah i guess how hard is it to put yourself back in like that mental state you know from like a three-hour break in between you know two events just to start getting back into to okay i have a I have an event coming up let's like let's go yeah it was I don't know if easier or harder because we only had two events a day. So it wasn't as like up and down as like a five event contest, which I think helps a little bit. Um, but it is tough. I think the music helps a lot. Um, between most events, I'd go outside and like kind of take a walk by myself and kind of get do some visualizing and get back in that mindset before coming back in and, and warming up. And that kind of helps me. I do a lot of visualizing, um, which I, I like to do not around people. So I, did, I just kind of went outside on my own a lot. Kaz lives up here mm -hmm. in the summertime. I was talking to him before a competition and his whole thing was uh, visualize it a hundred times and then you'll be able to do it. Yeah, just visualize enough that it manifests. <laughs> I tried it once and then once I went to go lift the weight, I was like, no, oh, this bitch is heavy. <laughs> Gravity got turned up. Yeah, I was like, no, that did not work at all. <laughs> So what's uh what's next for 2022? Um, the only thing that's like 100% for sure is Worlds again next year. Uh, at this point, at least, the plan is to go up to 82. Because okay. um, the, the, the goal is to be the first person to have world titles from two weight classes. So that was the whole kind of purpose uh, behind dropping down to the 73 class this year. Because um, it's going to be increasingly more difficult to get down there, I think. So... Uh, depending on what, what my weight does, the, the goal is if I can manage to put another 25 pounds back on my frame, um, that will will shoot for OSG as an 82. Um, I also got an invite to Clash, the 82 kilo Clash, that I really want to do. Um, at this point, loosely planning on that. I think they're going to release events next week, so it kind of depends on what the events are. Um, at this point, I've had a really hard time putting weight back on. My weight keeps going down, and so since that's a 82 kilo show um it's kind of going to come down to whether i think i can put it on enough mass to be competitive in that class in 20 weeks <laughs> so you had a cut for for worlds right yep how how different i guess is it for a female to cut compared to a male i think that's it's probably different person to person still um I started my cut like really far in advance, um, just because I started in like mid 180s, so I had about 25 pounds to cut. So I started at like six or seven months out, and it was a really slow process, um, which is better physically, I think. I think 
like obviously losing weight slowly helps you uh, hold on to strength, which you know was the goal. We really wanted to keep my strength up. Um, it's really taxing mentally though to be on a meal plan for that long and to be um, pretty rigid with it for such a long period of time, you know, instead of like crash dieting for two months and having it really suck, like dieting for six or seven months, um, it, it was really draining. Um, and then even still at the end, we got my weight down to like 172 and I ended up having to water cut the rest of it. And that was a, a pretty miserable experience. I spent six hours in the sauna Thursday morning before weigh-ins and uh, it was not fun. <laughs> yeah. Like I know for me, weight cuts just, I lose so much strength in it, no matter how far out I go or how really? quick to the competition. I typically sit around like 250. And if I ever compete in strongman corp, I cut down to the, the 230 class. Mm -hmm. um, and no matter, you know, how far away I do, I did a cut, a six month cut. And I still, I mean, I lost so much strength in That's it. Which um, of a water cut are you doing? There, there really wasn't much of a water cut just because I, I did it so far out in advance. Cause I used to do bodybuilding uh, before I got into strongman. So I was really good about like, okay, six months out, we start, you know, the cut. And around, I mean, then I was sitting around 220 and I would get down to 190. So it was pretty, pretty easy for that. Um, but now, sport though. <laughs> yeah, different sport, show muscles. Um, but now it's, it's just tough. I lose so much strength with it, no matter how much I lose. It just, I don't know if it's like a mental aspect of it or just being like seeing numbers go down on the scale, you know, and being like, oh, I can't lift this. Or, yeah, I mean, how you're going about it or the only person to person. I think some people have a harder time with, with weight cuts tonight than some, like I never really noticed that it was physically challenging. It was like mentally challenging. And especially like the last couple of weeks, I was in a really bad mood frequently, yeah. but like, like training and like, physically it all went okay so i think that might just be different person to person too yeah i mean my cardio was always on point with it like i, <laughs> I could, could like just go yeah <laughs> strength wise i mean i remember at oregon it was a 220 log mm -hmm. and typically 220 is pretty easy i only got one rep on it oh it's context just, environment's always different too yeah and it was uh it was like one of those slater logs Mm -hmm. uh, oh, they're awesome they were just too perfectly balanced <laughs> <laughs> too nice <laughs> yeah too nice i wasn't a fan of it at all <laughs> give me some shitty equipment <laughs> yeah give me something that's you know heavier on one side compared to the other we'll call it a day a little rusty <laughs> right something i can easily cut myself on maybe get a little tetanus i don't know yeah that's wrong man right yeah tetanus never hurt anyone no it makes you stronger <laughs> that's right it's the rust Clash of the Coast 2022, iffy worlds you're definitely doing. Is there any kind of records or anything you want to go after besides the, the two world championships? Not really. So, like, I've actually, my coach and I have talked about that quite a bit. Um, I, I'm not going to say records aren't cool because they're objectively really cool to see and it would be awesome to hold a world record. Um, just as, you know, a matter of prioritizing, that's not, a thing that's the most important to me. I think that my, what makes me a good athlete in the sport is being well-rounded. Um, that I, I joke that I'm not really the best at anything. I just don't suck at anything. And I think that that's what pays off in terms of getting titles. So um, a world record would be awesome, but it's not worth taking the time to excel in one area for me when the, you know, I think the focus should be 
it's selling in all areas and it's hard to be a jack of all trades and the best at something. And I'm kind of, I've, I've come to terms with that. Hmm. Was that your coach in the, uh, the video that you posted of you winning after the stones? Yeah. How stoked was he for you? Oh, we were both so excited. We'd both been working on like, you know, I was out on the floor, but it's been both of us working towards this all year. You know, it's been, I started working with him in May and ever since then the focus has been on this show and he's put in, you know, just as much work as I, as I have, you know, getting me ready for it. So it was, it was a mutual win. Before working with him, did you just kind of do your own thing? For the most part, um, I coached myself for the vast majority of the time I've been training. Uh, Me and Saul have done a little bit of like joint programming for each other, you know, because we both working out of that gym and we're both coaches. And, you know, I think it's hard to coach or program for yourself all the time. So we kind of like helped each other with our programs together for a little bit. And that was cool. Um, I worked with uh, a good friend of mine, Tasha Whalen. She's a phenomenal powerlifter and a fantastic coach. Um, She's not a strongman coach, but she's incredibly intelligent and great at, you know, biomechanics of lifts. And so she is the one who trained me for the Arnold's 20. 20 last year, Arnold 2020, where I took second place. Um, she did a great job. I uh, worked with Rob Kearney a little bit at the beginning of this year and then decided to switch directions and, and work with Alec instead for OSG. So how different was it having someone kind of that full-time coach compared to just yourself and getting advice from, from a bunch of different people? Oh, it was, it was hard to get used to at first because I've obviously worked with coaches in the past, but I wasn't ready for the level of involvement of like, you know, sending videos of everything that I do and checking in after every session and, you know, FaceTimes and, you know, like I, I would have drills that I would do at night at home um, for my overhead and he would FaceTime me during those and we'd do them together. And so it was, it was a lot more involved than I was ready for at first. And I had, had to get over this hump of like feeling like I was being annoying sending a million videos and questions, but like, obviously it's been months and months and we're, we're past that now. Yeah. I guess it's the whole, you know, holds you accountable for yeah. everything. Yeah. Accountability and just like wanting to be part of the process. I think it's hard as a coach to be so far away from your athletes, especially ones that are, you know, going for something like a world title that, I mean, as a coach myself, I understand like it's, it's hard to not see everything that's happening. Um, and it's, oftentimes hard to get clients to share enough to where I feel like I can be effective. And so I think he's just really invested and, you know, wants to be as active of a part of it as possible. So that requires work on, on both ends. Yeah. I, I know at my coach, there's times where it almost seems like it doesn't work where you're, you know, you're going through the steps and the motions. You're just like, this isn't working. This isn't working. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden just like something clicks and mm-hmm. it goes, I mean, how hard is it to stay with it and just trust the process? Oh, incredibly challenging, especially, especially after having done it for so long, like some things are just so ingrained, like there's certain things, I think that there were a lot of things where we kind of had to like try it a different way for a little bit and then analyze like, if it's not working, why is it not working? Is it not working because it's a new thing and it just takes practice? Is it not working because it's not the right thing for my body? Um, and that's where it was nice to have, you know, a coach that saw everything because um, we can kind of decide on those things together because sometimes something just doesn't work for your body and that's okay. And sometimes it's a matter of like, you just have to do like 10,000 more reps until it's going to feel natural. Um, And that's just a matter of putting in work. And I guess with you doing programming for, you know, your clients, 
how is it on the opposite side of you being the coach? I'm not going to say it's, there are challenges sometimes. Um, I mean, there's always, you know, on one hand, there's always that little bit of like, I know it works for my body and I want to interject, but there's also, I think I have, you know, insight from the coach's perspective and like, sometimes I just wish my clients would just trust the process. And so I'm being on the flip side of that, recognizing that just because I look at the program and go, hmm, I don't really understand that. It doesn't like, like just do it because ultimately it obviously works. So it's just, I think, um, it's just a matter of trust in the process. And yeah, I, I appreciate your time uh, today. I won't take up any more of your time. Um, I know you're pretty busy and everything and it's pretty early. Um, but you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I started on a new program. Uh, my coach, I'm getting ready for nationals for us. Oh, fun. Um, so what are the events? Uh, so the first event is, a it's an odd object load or not load a mm-hmm. uh, press. So it's a, for my weight class, it's a 225 sandbag, 250 keg, 250 sandbag. Oh, um, cool. But you got to press each one to go mm-hmm. on to the next. And then next, I think, is an elephant bar deadlift. Um, my weight class, we're starting at 670. Oh, it's like a last man standing? It's last man standing, um, cool. which for me, deadlift is my worst event at all. I cannot oh, yeah. deadlift to save my life, and I don't know why. <laughs> um, and then there is a farmer's hold at 280. Um, my worst nightmare event. Yeah, it's, I, I've done it once in a competition, and it's so hard for me not to start walking with it and just <laughs> lifting it and standing still. It's so difficult to do. Um, there's a stone to shoulder for reps. And how do you feel about that sandbag press? Uh, sand, it's difficult. It really hurts my fingers, surprisingly. Oh, yeah. yeah I can uh, see that. The last event is a crucifix carry for 50 feet. Oh, yeah. It's 25, yeah, 25 feet down, 25 feet back. Um, At least it's not max distance. I hate max distance. Any max distance carry event, I always pass out. Once I get to the 100, like 50 foot mark, I pass out. Yeah, it means you're working for it, though. (laughs) Like anything that's on my chest, like I just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sandbag (laughs) pressing, it's, it's different. It's, I mean, once you start to press it, it kind of caves in a bit, mm-hmm. what I've noticed. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah. That's cool, though. It's, yeah, it's something different. Um, I think cool initially stuff. they were going to have a block. I think mm-hmm. they got rid of it. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. That's cool, though. I mean, that's the cool thing about the sport, right? There's always something new. Yeah. And I'm sure something will change probably day of. Yeah, probably. And just go probably with does. it. Yeah. It's, yep. it's strong, man. Right on theme. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've been a part of a competition where something didn't change. No, always. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah, is that? I, that is June of 2022. Oh, cool. You got some time. So, yeah. Just try to maybe lean out a bit, mm-hmm. get some more strength, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, I won't take up any more of your time. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, for sure. Nice chatting with you. Absolutely.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the AK Strength Pod. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at the underscore AK Strength Pod and leave us a review and we will see you next time.